welcome to Faith Point, the podcast ministry of First Southern Baptist Church of Prescott Valley with Senior Pastor Carol Eldreth. Our goal is to allow our faith to intersect with real life. So let's join Pastor Carol today as he shares with us from God's Word. We're so glad, I'm so glad that I get a chance to hang out with y'all. Really, I'm glad the pastor is leading by example and taking his bride out for their 50th anniversary. That's a good dude right there, man. One way or another, he's a good dude, right? I mean, come on, man. 50 years of putting up with that man, she deserves a trip to California. I'm just joking. At least that's what my wife would have said. Um, I am glad to be here. And I thank you for your, your offering to the Annie Armstrong, I mean, Lottie Moon. I, I get them all mixed up too. Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Amen. And this goes to support missionaries literally all over the world. We have over 30 missionaries from Arizona that are serving all over the world. And so they're our family. And because of what you've given, you're able to support them in South Africa, or in South Africa, and in in uh, Niger, in in Asia, in um, near in Jordan, and other places around the world. And we want to say thank you for your investment in the kingdom of God. It's really huge. And I'll say thank you. I love personally hearing uh, positive stories. Um, I'm I'm just getting tired of listening to the news. And every time I turn on the news, man, it's just getting bad right? I mean, you turn on the news, you hear about conflicts in, you know, in, in the Middle East, you hear conflicts in, in, um, uh, near Russia, you hear about, um, you know, the economy being bad, and then of all things, this is an election year, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but it's only January, and I'm already tired of it, right? And we, we just got through Iowa, we haven't even hit New Hampshire, right? And, uh, and it's just, I mean, chaos, and, and I don't know about you, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm already not looking forward to getting the text messages from all these candidates telling me what I need to do. And, uh, and I just, I'm, you know, I, I'll be honest, I prefer good news rather than bad news. I mean, good news, like the other day I was reading about a, a lady who, who was traveling across country, and her, if you ever travel very much, you know, you know, young moms are carrying their babies, and you know, you get altitude, and, and babies don't always respond well to altitude, and it started crying, and his poor mom was traveling a long ways, she was just tired, and the, you know, this wonderful story of, a, of one of the, um, <coughs> pardon me, stewardesses that came by and said, can I, can I hold your baby and, and give you a break? She said, yeah. So she held her baby and kind of walked along the air, you know, up and down the aisles and, and gave mom a break, you know. And the mom was just so excited to have just a few moments, you know, to breathe, right? Uh, or the, the, the good story, news story I heard the other day about a, 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 bl- um, a blind um, older golden retriever that got a seeing eye puppy to help it. <laughs> I thought, I like that story, you know. I'm all about, I, I'm, I'm getting to the point in my life that I just like to hear some really good stories. If you would turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Kings chapter 7, we're going to look at good stories. That's what we're going to look at. But I was wondering the other day, when is good news really good news? I mean, have you ever wondered that? When is good news good news? I mean, is good news good because it's good or because it is shared or because it's received? 
in Second um, Kings chapter seven, we're going to be looking at a story that is recording about the actions and the beliefs of both kings of both Israel and Judah. Uh, let me get you caught up in this story, okay? Ben King Hadad of Aram had laid siege on Samaria. This siege lasted so long, and it was so bad that a donkey's head sold for 34 ounces of silver. That a cup of dove dong that was used for fire starter sold for two ounces of silver. It got so bad, the story tells us, that two mothers made arrangements. That the first mother would kill her child. They would eat that child. And the next day, they would do the same to the other mother's child. So they'd gotten so hungry that they had resulted cannibalism. It was extremely bad. Very bad. But then came some good news from a prophet named Elijah. Elijah. This is what it says. Elijah replied, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow at Samaria's gates, uh, Samaria's gates, six quarts of fine flour will sell for half an ounce of silver. And 12 quarts of barley will sell for half ounce of silver. Then the captain, the king's right-hand man, responded to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord were to make windows in heaven, could this really happen? Elijah was saying that by this time tomorrow, your siege will have ended. That a new dawn of abundance will overtake you. That your singing will be that of a new song. That your, sh your shame will be turned to fame. That your story will be turned to glory. That your trial will be turned into a testimony. And that your dryness will have ended. That's good news. But is it good news if it's not received? You and I have a choice today. We and I, you and I have to decide whether we're going to um, decide between today's problems or tomorrow's promises. We have to decide between scarcity and abundance. We have to decide between overwhelming sadness and abundant joy. You and I have to decide between the forgetful, for, uh, forgetfulness of God's promises or the fulfillment of God's word. Isaiah says in this verse 1, hear the word of the Lord. He's saying what looks like an impossibility today is, is going to be incontestable tomorrow. The captain, the, the king's right-hand dude, basically said, this is too big for even God. It's too big. It is impossible. I love what Jeremiah, verse 32, chapter 32, verse 27 says about our Lord. He says, Jesus, God said this, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? The answer is, ah, good. See, most of, nine out of ten of y'all are awake already. All right, very good. Okay. Now, starting in verse 3, we're introduced some, some other important characters of this story. We're introduced to four lepers. It says this, Now four lepers with a skin disease were at the entrance of the city gate. Now these men had leprosy. 
And of the 61 defilements of ancient Judaism, leprosy was second only to dead body in seriousness. The Talmud even forsake a Jew from coming any closer than six feet to a leper. And if the wind was blowing, it was 150 feet. Okay? Everybody thinks that, uh, that Fauci came up with the six-foot rule. It's not true. Okay? It's been around for a long time. It's a long, long time. So social distancing was going on. This was serious. If you had leprosy, highly contagious, don't want to be around you, COVID on steroids. Okay? Look what he says in verse 3 through 4. They said to each other, why just sit here until we die? If we say, let's go into the city, we will die there because the famine is in the city. But if we sit here, we will die. So now, come on, let's, let's surrender to the Aramean camp. If they let us live, then we live. If they kill us, we will die. In other words, this, they're saying is, is that we ain't got much to lose. And what they're saying is, I refuse to die here. They decided to draw a line in the sand and said, enough is enough. I cannot stay here anymore. I refuse to die this way, at this spot, at this moment, and I'm going to act. And maybe, my friends, there's been points in your life where you've done the same thing. Where you've said to yourself, you know what? I can't live like this anymore. I can't. I can't, I can't, I can't keep making these decisions. I can't, I can't keep on being in this situation. I just can't live like this anymore. And you draw a line in the sand. Listen carefully, please. A famine will always cause you to trust God for the next. We'll always do that. When your strength is gone and there's no one else to depend on, his strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. These men said, you know what? If we stay here, we're going to die. If we go there, we in camp and they kill us, we're going to die. But at least there's some hope if we go there and they let us live. So this is what happened. So the diseased men got up at twilight to go to the Aramean camp. And when they came to the camp's edge, they discovered there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean camp to hear the sounds of chariots, horses, and a large army. The Arameans said to each other, the king of Israel must have hired the kings of the Hittites and the king of Egypt to attack us. So they had gotten up and fled at twilight, abandoning their tents, their horses, their donkeys. The camp was intact, but they had fled for their lives. Then these diseased men came to the edge of the camp. They went into the tent to eat and drink, and they picked up silver and gold and clothes and went off and hid them. And they came back and entered another tent, picking up things and hid them. So when they got to this camp, a place where they were not accepted, a place where they probably were not liked, a place that for the most part normally they would have been killed, God had already intervened on their behalf and had already sent the Syrian people away in fear for their own lives and they didn't even have time to take stuff with them. God had already done the miracle. Amen? God had already done his thing. But the lepers didn't know that. They still had to decide, am I going to die here or I'm going to walk into the, area, um, um, the uh, Aramean camp by faith? Listen, God has already done a miracle around you. 
You and I have to decide if we're going to walk into it by faith. God's already given us life and life eternal. He's already promised that for us. Now, to be honest with you, there's sometimes we can't see the miracle that's before us. But the Lord requires us to take a step of faith and to believe that, you know what, tomorrow's going to be better than today. And wouldn't you all agree that God is a God of not only today, but that God is a God of tomorrow? Amen? I know this to be true in my own life. Every day, the Lord reminds me that He is the God of yesterday, today, and forevermore. I have to believe that, and so do you. God had already done that miracle. And what was their immediate reaction? They looked out for number one, themselves. Their free reaction was to hoard, really, and to hide their newfound blessings. And really, can you blame them? I mean, these guys were starving to death, mostly naked and poor. And they hid their new blessings. They're about to starve to death, and they thought what they experienced was a jackpot. My family and I used to, we don't do it so much anymore, used to watch the show Survivor. And it's basically a bunch of crazy people, you know, on this island, and you're trying to survive, and you're voting people off, and they're basically starving to death. And, and then they, you have these different challenges, and, and one of the challenges, the reward for the challenge, is they oh, pull up the sheet, and there'd be a hamburger or, or pizza, you know, um, things that you, they haven't had in, in so long because all they've had is rice, beans, and whatever fish that they can catch, Right? And, and I, when I was reading this, I thought, this is exactly what Survivor is, basically. And these guys looked at this food, and they just went, hey, wow, this is amazing. Look at all this stuff. And they thought only in themselves. But then they came to their senses. It says in verse 9, and then they said to one another, it is not, what we're, we're doing is not right. Today is a day of good news. The message version translates verse 9 this way. And his wording is so strong. It says, we shouldn't be doing this. This is a day of good news, and we're making it into a private party. This is a day of good news, and we're just looking out for ourselves. And it's, guess what? You know as well as I do, it is so easy to come to church and make the good news a private party, isn't it? We like each other. At least most of you like each other, right? I mean, we like each other. We like coming to church. We like seeing our friends. We like seeing our family. We love listening and, and participating in worship. I mean, the pastor did really good today. The praise team did really good. Um, we, love to, we love being in Bible study. We love hanging out with each other, and we should do that. We really should. We enjoy the blessings of God. We really do. But often it's so easy to make the church a private party instead of inviting people to experience the blessing that the Father has given us. You know better than I how much this city has grown. I moved out here in 1996 from Oklahoma. Anybody here from Oklahoma? Praise God, one man, okay? To be honest, we're holier than the rest of you. No, I'm just joking, okay? Boomer Sooner. We're so close. We got beat by U of A, but I don't want to talk about that. Um, anyway, so, um, you know, I grew out, I grew out here from Oklahoma and, uh, to start my church in 1996 and, um, at Mountain Ridge Baptist Church in Glendale. And it was pastor there for about 22 years. And I, we used to come up this way.
to get out of the God-forsaken heat that is Phoenix, right? The furnace that is Phoenix. The hard part about Phoenix is that this time of year, it's hard to convince people that heaven's much better. And in the summer, it's hard to convince people that hell is much hotter. And that's the problem with Phoenix. We used to, in the summer, we used to come up here, you know, come up, man, it's just beautiful up here, hang out in the mountains, the little lakes, ponds that you guys have. And I remember coming up here, you know, 20 years ago, and you could actually tell there was a difference between Prescott Valley and Prescott. Right? There was actually a difference. Now, I don't know when one starts and one ends. It's just this place has exploded over the last decade or two. The population of Prescott Valley itself has raised to 52,000 people. That's a 10 points, a little almost 11% increase since the last census. The metro population of this area is 218,000 people, and all of them are going to your Costco at the same time. <gasps> right? Doesn't it seem like that? Why is it I go? Everybody wants to go. Why is that? So why do we need to tell them the good news? Why do we need to share the gospel? Why do we make, need to make the church not a place for just us, but the place for everyone that does not know Jesus? And that's because nine out of the ten people that move here do not have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That means nine out of ten of your neighbors do not know Jesus. The gospel. The gospel is about good news. In our story, the lepers said that this is a day of good news. The um, Arameans are gone and the grocery store is open. Right? We know the good news. The good news literally, the gospel means good news or story. And the good news that we continue to tell is that of Jesus, of his birth, of his life, of his death, of his resurrection of his forgiveness, of his love, of his compassion, of his caring for us as his children and ushering us into the kingdom of God. That is the good news that we get a chance to tell. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because the power of God for salvation through whoever believes. I love verse 4, or um, these four men, what happened next? They said, and that it said, if we are silent and wait till morning light, our punishment will catch up with us. So let's tell the king's household. They're saying when morning comes, the whole city will know that the enemy had fled and wonder why we didn't say anything. One day, my friends, the truth about Jesus will be discovered. The Bible tells us that. That all people everywhere will stand before the throne of thrones. Everyone will. And Jesus will reveal himself to the whole world. And our unbelieving, pre-Jesus friends will ask us and even judge us for not saying anything. What these four men had experienced was remarkable. I love that word remarkable. The root word for remarkable means to remark. It mentions that to give something... Uh, attention that it deserves, or attention or notice. And we know that Jesus is remarkable. Jesus is worthy of attention. He is. Jesus is striking. And because of that, you and I who have a relationship with Jesus have a responsibility to tell of this good news of Jesus. 
So that's what they did. They told of the good news. It says in verse 10, it says, And these men came, called for the city's gatekeepers, and told them, We went to the Aramean camp, and no one was there, no sound, no human sounds. There was nothing but tethered horses and donkeys, and tents were intact. And the gatekeeper called out, and the news was reported to the king's household. So the king got up in the night and said to the servants, I'll tell you what these Arameans have done to us. They know that we're starving. So he left the camp to hide in the open country, thinking when we came out of the city, they will take them alive and go into the city. But one of the servants replied, please, let messengers take five of the horses we have left in the city. Their fate is like the rest of the Israelite community who will die. So let's send them and see. And the messenger took two chariots with horses, and the king sent them after the Aramean army, saying, go and see. So they followed them as far as the Jordan. They saw the whole army had, was littered, the whole, excuse me, the whole way was littered with clothes and equipment, and the Arameans had thrown off in their haste. And the messengers returned to the, to, and told the king. And when the people went, then the people went out and plundered the Aramean camp. And it was then that six quarts of fine flour sold for half an ounce of silver, and 12 quarts of barley sold for an ounce of silver, according to the word of our Lord. Wow. So, when is good news good news? When it is told and when it is received. If it's not told, then what good is that news? And if it's not received, what good is that news to have a full effect? Effect. Let me give you an example, okay? Um, a, a, week or, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, I was in Austin, Texas for a, a conference on how to care for pastors. And I was having, I, 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 was, I didn't know anybody, but this, this uh, couple befriended me and allowed me to have dinner with them um, the last night that I was in Austin. Of all the places I could have gone to eat, I ended up eating at the hotel. Um, and it was a really, it was pretty good, pretty good food, really, to be honest with you. Um, and, um, and so I'm sitting there, and they've got the menu, and I'm starting trying to look at the menu. And um, I don't know how many of you are here that, that have fallen into this category, but um, things don't look quite right uh, close to me. Anybody here like that? And you can't see. And you, how, many, how many of your arms are getting longer and longer? Uh, you, know, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? And, and so I was like that. I was going, I can't. I, I left, my, I left my, uh, my readers at home before I went to Austin, and I, I, I couldn't read. I was like this, like that. And the guy across from me, he goes, hey, have you ever tried these? And he pulled out from his pocket this, one of these. It's called Thin Optics, right? And he goes, he goes try these on. And they're readers, okay? And you just put them on your nose like this. Now, they, my wife makes fun of me. She says, those are the most ridiculous things I've ever seen, okay? I'm 59 years old. I know I look younger than that, but really, I'm 59 years old. And I don't care anymore what I look like. That ship has sailed, okay? Okay, that ship has sailed. But now I can read close. And so he lets me use his eyeglasses. So, Pastor, I thought of you earlier, right, when you said, my eyes are getting kind of wonky. I go, man, if he would have only had these. And what's really cool, look at this, man. You can take this, like, like you said, you can put it on your nose like that. There's no things to dingle like that. You can read, and when you're done, you just pop them out. And all you do is just put them back in here real quick, like this. 
and just put them back in your pocket. And you got them wherever you go. You need to get these. They sell them on Amazon. Okay? They sell them on Amazon. They're amazing. I have used them all week since Amazon brought them to my house. Right? I mean, I've loved them. Again, my wife makes fun of me. She says they're ridiculous looking. I don't care. They work. I can see. That is good news for me. And so now, whenever, and it's happened several times this week, whenever I run across people that can't see things close, I go, you know what you need? You need this. And I pop it out and I show it to them, and they go, wow, that's amazing. I know. And it's got a little sticker here that you can pull back. You can put it on the back of your cell phone. And so wherever your cell phone is, that's where you, you can like, it's cool, man. My friends are buying them all over the place. Amazon stock's going up. It's amazing, right? For me, that was good news. Good news worth sharing to my friends that can't see. Like me, who couldn't see. And you and I live in a state that can't see. And we got to share the good news. But... Much like what those, that couple did for me in Texas, if I would have said, you know what, that looks pretty cool. I can see the benefit of that. I can see where that may have the potential of changing my life. But if I didn't do anything about it, it wouldn't have mattered. If I hadn't gone to Amazon and one-clicked it, which is extremely dangerous, right, I still would have been blind or still have a hard time reading things up close. So it's not only what we say, it's what we do. And there's two different types of people here really today. There's those of you that hopefully are getting to the edge and saying, you know what, I'm tired of living like this. I can't do it anymore. I can't live like this anymore. I can't live in fear. I can't live with regret. I can't live with anger. My soul is just starving to death. I can't do this anymore. My opportunity, right? My invitation for you is very simple. It's that you stop living like that. And you take that step of faith because Jesus has already done the miracle for you. Jesus willingly gave his life for you. So that you don't have to live like this. And most of us here probably have already said yes to Jesus. We've already said, you know what, I don't want to live like this. And we took the step to not live like this and believe by faith that Jesus could save us. And now because he has given his life for us and we've received his life for us, you and I now have experienced the over and abundance blessings of Jesus on a daily basis. On a daily basis. So what's our problem? You and I, much like the lepers who experience the overabundance, have a responsibility to go to people that are literally starving to death. Their souls are withering up. Their families are being destroyed. They're stressed, beyond stressed, beyond stressed. They're constantly in conflict. Their souls are in turmoil. They're living with regret. 
They're living with fear. They're dying. And you and I have a responsibility to just tell what we know. That you and I have gone to the camp that the Father's provided. And we've seen and we've experienced the overwhelming blessing of our Lord. If we don't, people may continue to starve to death. People may continue to die without Jesus. Our church in, in Glendale, in your church here, was not put here so that we could have a wonderful fellowship. God put us here for the spreading of the gospel and the good news to our community. That's why we're here. And we want to invite you to say yes to Jesus today. Will you pray with me, please? Father, I thank you. That, Father, we don't want to live like this anymore. That we're not satisfied. We want to take, Father, that next step. And for some, Father, today that next step is to give their heart and their life to you. To say, I don't want to be live like this anymore. They want to step over the line. And believe the miracle that you have for them. The miracle of salvation. And Father, those of us who have said yes to, to, to you, Father, I pray that even in our lowly state, Father, that's only been blessed by you, that we will tell those who do not know you yet about you. So that, Father, they too can experience life. Father, help us. Father, please, to have courage to just tell the good news of what's happened to us, to those that don't know you yet. I ask this and I pray this, Father, in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for Faith Point. Reach us online at firstsouthernpv.org or stop by to worship with us if you are in the Prescott Valley area. May God richly bless you today as you allow your faith to intersect with your life.